Welcome to the 3B3 Podcast, a weekly look at the world of hockey with your hosts, Cassie, Pat, and Patrick. Okay, question last week, which I understand if you don't have an answer because it's it's a difficult one to come up with an answer for. And that was, for all the bashing that we do against the NHL, is there anything that the NHL gets right? It's funny that we bring up this question on, so just, I guess, an hour ago. I know. Batman, <laughs> Gary Batman and Daly had their, you know, prior to Stanley Cup final press conference, and it was all about one thing and one thing only, uh, you know, video review. But I'll say the one thing that I do think they do well or have done well in the last, let's say, 15 to 20 years is find stable ownership and then fight for markets worth fighting for. God damn it. You <laughs> thunder stealing thunder stealer. Ah, uh, like mines or, you know, or have a, to your, to your home, uh, into your home audio feed. <laughs> You've hacked my Alexa, even though I don't own one. <laughs> yeah, I 100% agree. I mean, for, for all of his wiffle waffling and hand waving and lawyeristic jingo that he throws out, Gary, outside of one particular person, <laughs> Spano um, has done a fantastic job of finding owners for teams since he took over. So, uh, and, and the Spano thing was so early into his tenure. Yeah, uh, I, I I do want to give him a pass because I think he got handed Spano by some because else. he he was handed a lot on his plate in the early years. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, it wasn't Spano basically like within his first six or seven months. I yeah, mean, it was. I mean, it was pretty bang bang. And there was that and labor negotiation a yeah. year later. So, um, but yeah, fighting for the like, I will defend what he has done for the Arizona Phoenix Glendale market one hundred percent. It it's just a smart business. I'm not trying to get political here, but it's a very anti-Trump move where his business model was as soon as something fails, you just let it rot and decay. Whereas Bettman helped bring a new ownership several times for the market. The league took over the team and they had a community that helped build a building until the community essentially has forced the team kind of out. Um, but he will make things work as long as there are viable options. You know, Atlanta would be the one exception that anyone could bring up, but he was forced into that. There's there was yeah. from the reports that I had read on that one when it happened, it was basically an ultimatum by the ownership of Atlanta saying that we're either going to declare bankruptcy in the week or you're going to let us sell the team and have them move. Yeah. And that was yeah. it. And then on top of that, he was also juggling other things like um the devil's ownership was looking was or what was it new jersey was selling st louis was selling mm -hmm. um somebody else was selling minnesota was selling i think um i mean there's like a whole bunch of other things it was a perfect storm of that was the greased ball that dropped 
Yeah, that's a great way to put it because I I forgot that the New Jersey to Nashville stuff was really heavy at that point too. Yeah, right around that sort of around very, that same time. Yeah, I mean that started in the early days, right before they won the '95 Cup. Yeah, yeah, and they and they flipped over ownership. Yeah, I keep forgetting that there was yeah. some, there was some yeah. upheaval going on around that same time. But I also think that you know it was just sort of a it um i also think that that atlanta one was probably as much of a case of he saw what the growth potential in winnipeg was and i hate saying growth potential for canadian market because everyone's under the assumption that you can't grow hockey in canada because it's as big as it's going to be but i don't buy that wholly um you know winnipeg itself had just grown since the jets moved out you know and to have store stable corporate sponsorship and stable ownership up there, I think was just sort of a, I don't want to do it, but at least it'll be in good hands type thing. Right. You know, it's the lesser of two evils. We can either try and fight this and find an owner in Atlanta. And that was, it may have been a slog to find that first ownership group for him, but I think it was just sort of, okay, you know, I can, I need to find owners for these two or three other franchises, which are a little bit more important to us. And this is, you know, not the first time that something's gone to Atlanta in the NHL and failed. So, and if you're a Southern market team and you do not control your building, you are, you've already failed. You know, you look at Tampa, you look at Carolina, you look at Nashville, they are the primary tenants of their building. They own it or they operate them in most cases that helps ease the ledger. Um, from a business side of things, I mean, they still have revenue sharing for the, I, I would assume Nashville is kind of out of that, but it, it speaks to why Florida is basically in sunrise, just north of uh, Fort Lauderdale instead of down in Miami, because the heat aren't giving up control of their building, you know, and it's not in a market like in New York or in LA where you can have 10,000 events going on a year and still draw for all of them. And that was the case in Atlanta. They couldn't control the building. They couldn't get good dates. Like when you can't get weekend dates in these markets, you're you better win the Stanley Cup or you're not drawing. Well, and their marketing wasn't that great either, to be honest, within Atlanta. Um, it was also a case of of I don't know if it was a matter of they didn't want to put enough money into it or if they thought it or what, I don't understand what that whole thing was, but they, they also just, they did really bad at marketing the game to Atlanta mm-hmm. just generally. And their ownership group was, you know, uh, sketchy, sketchy, <laughs> sketchy by committee. Yeah, seriously. So, you know, it, it's funny that we see Don Waddell nominated for GM of the year in his first year back in the position <laughs> since he left Atlanta where he only has to deal with one owner versus whatever kind of Medusa situation he had going down in, you know, in Georgia. Oh, I, yeah. Everyone that I've, I've talked to in, in like a lot of the podcasts that I've listened to, um, sort of has, has touched on that whole goat rodeo that was the Atlanta ownership and, and, you know, almost like you've got two people pulling in two different directions and a third kicking that person in the, in the, you know, gentleman's area. <laughs> Cause so. I, 
I think we forget when we talk about GMs, it's it, these people do not have complete autonomy, except in very select situations. But it's like the Ken Holland re- review on his past in in Detroit versus his present in Edmonton. Well, it's just two different stories, two different situations. He's answering to two different people at different times. Well, even you, for, you sorry, never know what the directive is. Yeah, I mean, even through his tenure in Detroit, though, I mean, you know, with the passing of of Mike Illich and then the team transferring ownership to his children, you know, who knows what happened there. Now, that's not to defend him signing some pretty egregious contracts, but that may have been the impetus for him to say, I don't want to fight with this anymore. I'm kind of done here. I had a great relationship with Mike and with the kids. I don't. You know? Yeah, I, my, I couldn't come up with, I mean, I came up with the whole long-term vision where they're putting, putting teams in places that don't aren't typical of the ice belt hockey market scenario and growing the game, you know, long-term 20 year vision kind of thing, which is what you guys are talking about. Um, coworker, I threw this out at him and, and he mentioned that, and I, it would never have occurred to me, but, um, but one of the things the NHL does get right is their feeder system, ECHL, AHL. Um, it's not perfect but they do have a way to develop players if GMs and coaches know what they're doing um, and places for young players to go and to learn before they hit the NHL. Yeah, I mean, it is comparable to baseball, which is, you know, baseball's not what it used to be, in my opinion, as far as, like, talent coming up. But, um, yeah, I, I, you know, football has always just been college. Let someone right. else take care of it. And then basketball has been college or high school. Let someone else take care of it. But I think with the, the the startup of that NBA Summer League, which is supposed to be kind of a development league, it'll be interesting to see. I agree with you, though, our, and your coworker. You know, I do like the way that, that the NHL, well, just hockey players in general, have just been afforded an opportunity to come out of major junior or wherever they're playing in the world at 17 or 18 opt to stay there or come over here and play, you know, at at some lower level and at least learn how to take that next step to the next level. Right. Yeah. That one would never have occurred to me. He's a baseball guy on top of being a hockey guy. And he actually used to do umpiring. Oh, (laughs) so. And so, uh, so yeah, that was, that was his contribution. And I was just like, oh yeah, I hadn't even thought about that. <laughs> Cause yeah, I mean, you know, NFL, they have, they have practice teams or practice, practice squads, which is basically just guys to like scrimmage against. Um, and the CFL, if you choose to see the CFL in that way, and most people don't, they see it as an independent league that's less than the NFL. And then there's there's a couple of minor league um, basketball in the in North America leagues, uh, but they're like they're college basically. I mean, yeah. you know, in in terms of like ability, but 
But yeah, that was the only one I could really come up with. Everything else is sort of like either quote-unquote tradition, even though tradition doesn't really exist in the NHL because they're just as quick to throw it away as, as say, no, no, it is tradition. Um, and uh, as Patrick keeps saying, they kind of end up backing up into success. <laughs> yeah, falling falling backwards into success, it just, despite their best efforts. Well, and that was a Gary Bettman quote. It was, it was so awesome because it yeah. was like, oh, my God, that was perfect. The one today from the press conference was we have to find a way not to ruin the game, but get it right. <laughs> oh my God. I see. I haven't watched it yet. I've, I've been swamped all day. I was just on Twitter while it was going on and, and picking out like the best tweets that five or six or seven different people were like saying the same thing of, but, but it was just the perfect quote that just epitomizes the NHL in a nutshell. We have to find a way to not ruin the game, but get it right. <laughs> See, that is such a perfect thing to say, too. Like, I I very much think of both Bettman and his daily as guys that they get it. And I think their uh, points of view would be aligned much more with fans than I think we ever realize. The problem is they're too wired from basically their legal background to think any to act any differently not necessarily to think any differently but to act any differently and they i mean i mean i've heard there's been more uh ken dryden's been in the news again you know calling out batman for basically either turning a blind eye to all the concussion stuff or you know, just being that naive or believing his own, you know, charade. But in my heart of hearts, I think Gary's doing what he thinks to protect the bottom line, but he knows he's full of it. I think that he is a mouthpiece for the owners and he takes yep. the and he's the face of ownership and he tells everybody what the owners think and everybody shoots the messenger. Yeah. I think that if it was his opinion he would be more in line with what the fans think. And you you sense that with some of these quotes that he comes out with, that he knows exactly what people think of him. But basically, he's a smokescreen. He's he's the wizard in the Wizard of Oz. He's the guy behind the... He's not the guy behind the curtain. He's the face that everybody sees. Well, I, I think that goes back to the conversation about, you know, Waddell and, and a little bit about Ken Holland. You know, Gary, if he was left to his own devices we'd probably be saying a lot, you know, we, we'd have a lot different sentiment towards him. Mm-hmm. But I think as, as the servant of now 31 different people, you know, try and get 31 people in a room to agree on anything. Let me know when you're done. I got time, you know, cause that's not going to happen. Lunch. They'll agree on what time it is for lunch. And that's about it. <laughs> no, they probably wouldn't even do that. Cause you'd have the East coast people and the West coast people. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> And then the the people in the central will be like, no, we're good either way. Because <laughs> unless it was old, unless it was Bill Wirtz, then if it was Bill Wirtz, then it'd be like, we're eating lunch, but I want to eat lunch. But which will be interesting is, uh, I think outside of uh, here we go talking about Boston again, uh, Jeremy Jenkins, Jeremy Jacobs. Um, you know, he has an annual press conference, but, he, you know, Batman does manage up, I think, yeah. more than we realize. And I oh, think yeah. there's coming a day where there's going to be a huge ownership shift and control, 
you know, there's, I guess, a 10 member executive committee right now. And for the first time in a few years, there's been some shakeup of that based on, you know, um, Peter Carmanos, before he was going through the selling process, he gave up his seat at the table. Um, the Illich family after, after you know, uh, Mike Illich passed, um, that seat was given, I believe, to uh, Mark Chipman in Edmont- or, uh, Edmonton in uh, Winnipeg. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see, especially when the league does transition mm-hmm. from Bettman to his, um, you know, heir apparent, most likely Bill Daly, um, who's pulling the strings now? Because, I mean, Jacobs can only do it for so much longer. I mean, he's got to be near the end of his his time in control, not necessarily in ownership. So who's pulling the strings will dictate, I think, what the league says and does and what Gary makes public or Bill after the fact. Yeah, I, I've always I've always had the joke that that it was um, Gary comes in and says something and then it's Bill Daly's job to come in and explain to everyone what Gary really meant. <laughs> you know what Not Gary really what joke. Gary I know but but you see what I'm saying it's like now ladies and gentlemen what Gary really was saying because you know he's anything that daily does it's almost like the Friday news dump right Not many yeah. people pay that much attention to it it's like it's you know it's typical of a vice president and in politics you know what, what you know was Jefferson's famous quote, you know, I'd rather die than become vice president or something along those lines because it's a meaningless job. And it's almost like I feel bad for Daly because he's out there kind of doing these things. And no, no, what Gary really meant to say is. And then, yeah. Um, yeah. Although speaking of interesting things that come out of uh, uh, Batman's mouth, one of the other interesting things that I, well, two and I'm sure we'll get to both of them, is um, Bettman said the NHL is very concerned about slowing the game with more video review, but that ship has sailed on reducing video reviews. So it sounds like no rollback on offsides reviews. One. And then the other, before we get into that, was, um, where was it? That meant this is Emily Kaplan tweeted this one. I, I had a combination of like three tweets with the last one. Um, <laughs> says NHL is still letting the dust settle before they decide whether to run a women's hockey league. Reiterated NWHL still exists. Uh, and says yes. he has heard rumors of a new league potentially popping up. So which would you like to tackle first? <laughs> Let's just get the video review out of the way so we can spend more time on the good stuff. (laughs) Um, I think it goes back to our last conversation in the last episode where it's just they need to find a system where there is an eye in the sky off the ice who can basically have the trust of the guy, the officials on the ice, whether that be three or four, three might make more sense going forward that can say, hey, that plays offside. And do it in a fraction, you know, of a second. Don't let the linesman go over and look at the iPad mini. Don't let them look at the Nintendo Switch. But just say, okay, here's what happened. This is what you need to do. This is where the face-up goes. Ten reset, seconds and you're done. Reset the clock to this. Yep. 
Yeah, and I th- I think the only problem there is the offsides because the offsides, offside. Sorry, the offside is the purview of the linesman. So that's always going to be a tough one to to have them seed control of that. So my thing with the offside is we play in a three dimensional space. The blue line is painted up the side of the boards. Mm-hmm. Why the fact that a player's skate is touching the ice on the blue line make any difference? Amend it's a the plane. Rule. It's the plane. It's a three-dimensional plane. If I have broken the three-dimensional plane fully... Oh, I see what you're saying, yeah. Right? Because you get called offside if you have your foot down on the ice on the opposite side of the blue line, and it's clearly over, and your your trailing foot is off the ice, but within within the plane of the blue line that is offside. I mean, Well, it's usually your entire body is in except for your skate blade. (laughs) that's that's often how it goes i've you know i really think that the the best way to mitigate that and i don't remember if i've mentioned this in a previous episode so excuse me if i have um is to put sensors in the ice and sensors in the puck and sensors in the skates Boom, done. <laughs> there's no there's no confusion, there's no review. It just automatically blue line flashes or something and and there it's just automatic. You know? I mean if we're gonna be calling the skate blade or the foot or whatever on the blue line, on the blue line, not like on the other side of the blue line, but on the blue line. Which then again, why do you have a blue line so wide? Why do you have it painted up the side of the boards? Because pucks go flying over. It's not the puck; it's the player. Why do you have it pointed? Why do you have it painted up the side of the boards? Yeah, because of the two-line pass that used to exist. That was the red line, though. I know, but why did I have it? You could pass from neutral zone one over neutral zone two, and that you could not do that. But it was only usually a, lobbed to the puck too. It was mm-hmm. only a two-line pass in the same way it was offside if the player's entire body was on the other side of the line. So why are they painted up the sides? Because it's all about the determining edge. It's, it's, so, it's, 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 we live in a three-dimensional world. The game is played three-dimensionally. A goal does not cease to exist. Tradition! Simply because it, <laughs> simply because it wasn't on the ice when it crossed the red line. Tradition, but it crossed the goal line. I'm not saying there's a good answer for it, but that would, to me, you want to stop the incessant, ridiculous nature of the offside challenge. It's three dimensions. Well, the only only time they should be able to challenge is whether the, whether the player is completely over the line or not, not if their skate was up. And if you do that, then you might as well just make the blue line the same width as the goal line. Which is I'm totally fine with anything that anything that adds a couple of inches or five or six inches to the zone. The neutral zone. They, I mean, because that's that's the cheat. That's the cheat is that if you have the puck, if you're bringing the puck into the offensive zone, then you have to be on the on the blue line, but not completely over towards the goal. But if you're trying to keep the puck inside the the offensive zone, then it has to be. You know, it can't go over 
the line on the other side towards the neutral zone, (laughs) that's the cheat. And so, you know, which I've never understood. It's like, okay, why is the line so big? Why is it so wide? I don't get that. (laughs) It it was always designed and it was a fool's mission, but to make both sides or both zones a little bit bigger, you know, they narrowed the neutral zone so there'd be more space, but they're taking that foot line because it is a foot wide now Mm -hmm. and said, okay, well, when you're in the neutral zone, it's this many feet from blue to blue. But when you're in the offensive zones, you get this extra foot. And I mean, the fact that I, I already use the phrase determining edge because that's something in the rule book. And that, you know, two out of 10 hockey fans could properly explain. Um it's just kind of foolish at this point. Uh, I think they're outgrowing offside in general. They need to get rid of it and create almost like a half court or a half ice situation like in basketball. You can do whatever you want to get in the zone, but you can't leave the zone with the puck. You have to stay in a box. Um, so we're not turning into a, you know, a 200 by 100 ice surface where you're delaying and you're waiting to create passing plays. No, you're, you're stuck in the zone until you lose possession. Yeah. Something has to be done. That blue, I mean, you know, the blue line thing is just such a farce. (laughs) It's, it's a, it's a relic from a bygone time that doesn't, it doesn't matter. And even, even the bygone time, it probably didn't really matter as much as it does now. Cause, um, it actually probably did because rinks weren't a standardized size at that point, and that's probably why they did that as a cheat. But, I mean, rinks are all the same size now. We don't need that. And, God, you know, I I can't stand that. I can't stand that rinks are all Starbucked. You know, Starbucking. Everything is exactly the same. I can't stand that. I grew, I'm, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to put on my old man yells at cloud grumpy hat, get off my lawn here thing. <laughs> I loved when they went to Boston garden cause it was a different game. It was short corners. It was you know, a little bit smaller ice. I had no problem understanding that, you know, sometimes things are a little bit different and it changes the way the game is played. It forces you to think about the game differently. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, just as a beer league player in the, you know, Raleigh area, we have a rink that is basically the size of a small roller rink. It, it It's the perfect modified size for youth hockey, but it's smaller than 200 by 85. Then some genius decided to build a 205 by 105 ice sheet, thinking, oh, this will really attract the the NHL pro team that's getting ready to move down here, and we can make this the practice facility. Not understanding how big of a control freak, you know, a coach is, or, you know, a general manager is, or how, you know, how nitpicky players can be when things are just off just a little, like, you know, a chip in the puck. Um, So jumping from, you know, all those different sizes, it's completely different games. And so people kind of decide, all right, I like this one more than this one. So I'm just going to stick there. Oh, the players would just 
they'd complain for a quarter of the season and then life would go on and everyone would be happy. Exactly. Like I, I love the idea of moving doors around so they're not in, you know, uniform places. Well, I, I still love the idea of having them on the opposite sides of the ice. Yeah. You know, your benches, your benches are in the neutral zone. You're on the opposite side of the ice. The penalty boxes are just on right next to the bench. Yeah. Mike, you know, have a good headless set and the referees never need to go over and talk to the timekeeper. They're just in their ear. Yeah. And you move them. Well, and that's it kind of goes back to what, you know, we talked about a little bit last episode is they they go out there and they flip the little mic pack on and they, you know, attempt to tell us what the penalty was. Well, that's a radio communication. Use it going the other way. You know? And, you know, I, I'm not convinced that it doesn't. <laughs> I think that it probably does go the other way. It's just not not public. Well, I mean, on live during the game on the ice, I'm, I will guarantee you they don't have bugs in their ears. With, probably not, no. With, you know, with someone saying, hey, you know, because they still have the little red light at the scorer's table, right? Flip. Yep. TV timeout. Yep. Flip. We need to talk to you. Flip. And, unfortunately, the way most minor league systems work. There's not enough money unless the NHL decides to invest it in a lower level league to get the audio equipment necessary in small buildings to prepare the next set of officials and grandfather them into a system like this. Yeah. That's anytime there's a technology leap at the top level, it's, or there's, there's talk of a technology leap at the top level. It's, you have to you have to strip it down to its core what is absolutely necessary for this sport and how cheap can it be done because it has to be implemented at the ECHL AHL levels which will be interesting to see so i think the the next piece of technology that we're going to see trickle down is clocks inside the boards you know, to help players and referees so they don't have to look up. Shot Yeah, (laughs) kind of. But so they don't have to look up and start counting in their heads because I know that was an old trick I would do. When you're at the last minute of play, right before the puck is dropped, you get a glance and you're counting down in your head because what if there's a bang-bang goal? I'm not in a place where I'm getting video review, so I better know. And I can't necessarily just rely on the horn that goes off. So mm-hmm. I'm paying attention to four or five different things while counting in my head. And I'm sure some of the refs still do the same. But yeah. how can you build a clock that's not going to break as soon as it's hit by a puck and then introduce it to a 2,000-seat arena and God knows where? I'm going to solve this right here and right now. Refs are required to wear visors, true or false? True. HUD. Heads up display. Oh, dear God. <laughs> well, I mean... There we go. If you, you, you can, get, if you can train gamers to skate, there's a chance this could work. Yeah, you have you have a bunch of little Iron Men running around talking, you know, talking to no one in particular except for the voice inside their helmet <laughs> and with all, of, with all of the heads up display stuff going over. Oh, please you know, let it be Friday. Just better hope they better be not Friday have their microphone on. <laughs> And, and and back to your point about the technology and the line flashing and everything, Cassie. Mm-hmm. Well, right there, he could just stand there and, and his, you know, his visor just start flashing red that the play was offside. Yep. There you go. Okay. 
All right. Look at, look at me. Watch Elliot Friedman steal that one now. <laughs> All right. Are you ready? Me? Are you ready for me to be Bond cop or bad cop right now? You can't. You can't devil's advocate that. That that's perfect. That is flawless. Oh, level. you want to know how I can? No, you can't. The league would have to pay for it, and currently all officials must pay for all their own equipment. Boom. They're not buying these visors. Unless, you know, your friend, the owner of SAP, you know, happens to purchase them for, for you know, everyone. Or but develops a technology. That's How not cheap happening. is that? How cheap is that that the NHL won't buy officials' equipment? Oh, it's so cheap. They're... They are so cheap, they doubled up their investment in the NWHL. How's that for a segue? Oh, I'll just I'll just I'll just retort your retort to my retort of your retort with two words. Tax write-off. And the second word is hyphenated, so don't start with me. <laughs> <laughs> I, no. I, I am a grammar nerd. I would not question that one. Is there an okay. Oxford comma in that? <laughs> no, but there's so, a Boston comma. Boston. So, um, this was my, this was the thing that like stood out to me with this quote, Emily Kaplan, like her tweet was Bettman reiterated the NWHL still exists. <laughs> it's a league that has four players. I know, right? Well, I meant the, the okay, so so let me refresh your memories here after our, our little ranty thing. Um, Gary Bettman says NHL is still letting the dust settle before they decide whether to run a women's hockey league. Reiterated NWHL still exists and says he has heard rumors of a new league potentially popping up. I wonder if the sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say still exists. So he, they were waiting for both leagues to collapse before they decided to swoop in and white knight the whole deal. I wonder if the, the rumors of that other league or that stupid WWIHL or whatever it was. Oh, yeah. That guy who was doing the uh, GoFundMe thing. Yeah. The one who basically interviewed himself to say that we are it is a real league. Here's proof. I interviewed myself saying it was a real league. <laughs> Yeah. Are we convinced that's not the same um, imagine air quotes here gentleman who was speaking on behalf of the new players association who, who was mansplaining everything about how oh. he, he could make the game and a league work because I'm pretty sure they're one and the same yeah I think that I think that was the same guy yeah I no, but the 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 new players association is actually just a revamp of the CWHL players association. Oh my God. So they just rebranded as the women's professional hockey players association. I really can't wait for down goes Brown down go down goes Brown's book on the rise of women's hockey. Cause if it's anything <laughs> like his last, book, Oh, it's going to be a circus <laughs> oh, because I mean, it's funny. This is, can you know, he just work with Katie Strang to publish that by The I, Athletic? Oh, my God. The two of them together would be dangerous. Um, oh, I'm just so I'm just sitting here laughing because it's just like, what are we? 120 some odd years past the formation of the NHL. And it looks like the women's side is just doing the same damn thing that the that the men's side did 120 plus years ago. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Let's just start a league, but not with that guy. You know, that was basically the CWHL and the NWHL. Oh, and, know, then, the, and, well, and then you have the NHL who's playing into this going, well, we don't want to start up our league if there's competition. <laughs> yeah, let them let them fight amongst themselves because we want the best players. It's like, let them destroy themselves and then we'll be good. <laughs> we'll like just pop up our own. Oh, God. So really the success of women's hockey needs one ownership group to just piss everyone off. And then, you know, there'd be some a civil union somewhere to be made. Because that was the story 120 years ago, and yep. with the NHL and the NHA? Question mark. Now NHA was what the was the precursor the to the NHL. Yeah. So it was the uh, uh, West. No, wait, Pacific Coast Hockey well, the, League. Yeah, the PCHA stayed independent. Or, the, the NHA. Yeah. yeah, the NHA turned into the NHL. Yeah, they disbanded because they didn't want the current owner of the Toronto franchise. They were sick of him. So they just said, okay, we'll, we'll disband this. We'll form another league without him. And then when he gets sick and takes his ball and goes home, we'll reform the NHA. And they Which never that, did. Man, this sounds just like youth sports leagues. I, see, <laughs> it's so terrible. Yes. <laughs> we are just repeating history right. over and over and over again. The, oh, but this old... time we have we have uh, the NHL as, as women's hockey savior. So we actually have a men's league already established that will swoop in and save everybody. When there wasn't anybody to swoop in and save everybody last time, 120 years ago. No, I think there was. The PCHA was actually pretty big. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, there's a reason why they they played for the Stanley Cup, right? Yeah, well, it was a, well, yeah. I mean, that was largely because it was an old Challenge Cup. Right. So, but yeah, I mean, there's a reason that Seattle was the first U.S. France or U.S. city to hoist a Stanley Cup championship, and we better damn well raise a banner opening night on this franchise yeah good luck no i want it done in the building i want it i the the christmas colors we did it first shut up go away (laughs) in honor of our hockey tradition yeah 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 (sighs) i know i'm with you on that one Yeah. I, just the... oh, I, I do have a question for you, Patrick, and feel free to chime in, Pat. And um, it's speaking of Seattle hockey. So, rumor has it, and it may not be a good rumor, so don't quote me. <laughs> I'm that, not telling you what I know. I'm just telling you. That, right. <laughs> that, that Sockeye is the favored um, mascot nickname thingy for the new Seattle franchise. Now, my question, Patrick, to you is, I think that would be very confusing considering how often we talk about fish out there. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> I have heard a lot of scuttlebutt that it's leading that way, but nothing from uh, the ownership group. Okay. No, no, I mean, nothing from any of their press releases or anything of those sorts i think it's sort of one of those well i talked to someone you know i am anti-fish name and and the reason i am anti-fish name is because if you are in the seattle area especially in the summer spring to spring to fall bookend it 
Fish names come up all the time in conversation, all the time, whether it's people fishing, whether it's talking about salmon and dams, whether it's talking about drought, whether it's talking about menus, whether it's talking about whole all sorts of things. Well, see, so you got your coho, you got your sockeye, you got your got king, your Chinook, and you got, got your Chinook, and you got, got your steelhead. Yeah. yeah, and so and and so, you know, there's a lot. It, there's a lot of fish talk, and which is weird to say, but it's true. And um, so, I think adding a fish name as a mascot would just be confusing, especially in conversation. So did you, did you see the sockeye last night? What do you mean? Did I see the sockeye last night? Yeah, I wasn't at Ballard Locks. What are you talking about? What the hell? I was I wasn't out on the lake. What are you talking about? Yeah. No, I the know. hockey team. The hockey team. Hey, I still think they should just be the gooey ducks because it's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Evergreen Evergreen State College might um, complain about that. Yeah, they can go jump over. But sockeyes are red, and red's going to be the new team color to differentiate themselves in the city, right? Well, sure, because there isn't a single other franchise in the NHL that's got red as their primary color. Oh, wait. Red and black. That's Damn. A red, black, and gray is what's and, on their website right now. And they keep they keep swapping around on that one because I think they're starting to – I don't know. There's a bunch of people. There seem to be two distinct sides. Those distinct sides are it needs to be green and blue. Yeah. And it cannot be green and blue. <laughs> they don't. So, the, the can't be people don't have alternatives. They just say no to green and blue. See, my my problem with green and blue is actually not the fact that most of the teams in town are green and blue. It's the fact that the Canucks are three hours away and their colors are green and blue. <laughs> so, so well, they may not be. Because, are they changing them again? Well, I don't know if they're rebranding, but they are releasing a new set of uniforms this year uh, as part of their uh, 50th anniversary in the league. Um, so they'll have a new home and away set that's not supposed to be the old black skate. You oh, know. Are they going back to yellow... Red candy, and black? The, the candy corn colors. No. Yeah. So there, there's a site that I read whenever it's updated called Isoletics. That's actually based out of Seattle these days. Yeah, I actually know him. <laughs> so do you know how he always gets and sees uh, basically, uh, I guess it's now Adidas, releases a catalog to uh, retailers about all the uniform changes or potential changes. So you kind of have an idea of what kind of purchase orders you need to put in sometime around the first of the year, because that's typically when hockey re retailers uh, put in their orders. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, the Canucks have a new home and away. And it could be something as simple as they get rid of the script on their jersey, so it no longer says Vancouver, and it's just the Orca. But I love the idea of just doing an inverse of... Uh, Inverse of the Canuck set, just to piss off Canada. The well, Orca thing just kills me. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, they just decided yeah. to take ownership of orcas. Well, no, the 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 um, back in the nineties, late nineties, they were owned by um, Orca, Orca Sports and yeah. Orca Bay or something, Sports and Entertainment, yeah. and so it was a corporate logo originally. Yeah. And while one of the owners from that group is still part of the ownership group now, 
It's basically a legacy corporate logo. Eh. And that's what kills me. It's like, really? You couldn't come up with something better than that? I mean, it's an okay logo. Don't get me wrong. It's just like, it's it's a legacy corporate logo. <laughs> well, it, it, it'd be like, oh, actually, no, Boeing isn't here anymore. <laughs> well, they're kind of there, but headquarters isn't now. Yeah, I was going to say it had been, you know, because that was the whole joke with the supersonics was that was basically Boeing's nickname. Well, Green Bay Packers, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. But no, I, I, I'm, uh, I want like a, an electric neon, almost like Sounders, an electric neon green and blue thing just to annoy people. Can all, all the players wear yellow visors? Oh, like Patrick Weinrich. <laughs> God, like Ovi used to do in the day, or Kyle McLaren used to wear one of those. Oh, God, Kyle McLaren. (laughs) You're like the second person who's mentioned him to me in like the last two weeks, and I just flash back to the Tacoma Rockets. (laughs) Oh, God, that's right. And Kelowna. Well, yeah, I I forgot he played there. Uh Uh-huh. I don't. I didn't. Anyway, no, speaking of that, though, that's actually the... um, that's the color scheme I would like to see. Something similar is the Kelowna Rockets, formerly Tacoma. And I think that's what they're kind of leaning towards, personally, with the red, black, and, and sea, gray. Sea foamy type. Yeah, you know, turquoise, sky blue, whatever that is. Oh, God, and... don't, don't do that because Sharks fans will tell you they own teal. Like they own the foghorn. Uh, yeah, but I mean... There's a precedent. It's like all you have to do is look at the Native American art around, yeah. you know, from that's... Portland to Alaska. Yeah, I'm wondering. And that's kind of why I was like, I kind of would like to see some of those colors, something like that incorporated in there. Because, I mean, that's the clap. And, you know, they have a Native American artist who is going to be doing the logo. And so that is the the... Most often represented colors in nat- in the local Native American art, red, black, and turquoise. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I was thinking would probably end up happening is it would go that way. But then I don't know how that flies with cl- the Kelowna Rockets. No, they won't care. I know that. Well, I know they won't care because the owner who of the Kelowna Rockets, he actually was the owner in Tacoma. It's yep. the same owner. They just yep. moved the team. And so, you know, he'd probably be all for that. But uh, and Rockets was an old minor league um, name for a hockey team in Tacoma in the 50s and 60s, I think. Um, although I doubt that they would actually use Rockets again. But but I, that was always my thought. It's like their their website colors are red, black, and gray, and have been since the start. They're they're hiring a Native American artist to do the logo. I'm thinking all they have to do is add some like turquoise and boom. <laughs> and if they could actually make turquoise kind of the primary color and tease us, it could actually look really good. Yeah. I would I would love to see that. That's kind of I'm okay. I'm 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 intrigued. I'm I dare say my interest is peaked. You, you you hadn't you hadn't put those two together yet. <laughs> well, not I mean, on the, not on the color scheme. I just figured the the way the logo was going to look was probably going to harken back to um, totems versus like yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
And I didn't really think about the color scheme that much because of that. And it still might. I mean, it probably will, but um, I mean, they, there there was floating around to the idea of reusing the totem's logo, but calling the team something else. Eh. Mm. If you're going to do it, do it. But the I've also heard from others locally that live there that there are a number of tribes that do not want the word totems used. Yes, and I'm totally fine with that. I mean, yeah. I, just for historical sake, I would love it. I don't think it's... I don't think it's derogatory, but it's not my place to say. Well, no, it's and it's, it's not and it's not derogatory, like it's it's, it's, it's appropriation. It's, it's yeah, it's historically inaccurate. Yeah. for Native American tribes, totem poles are a, an Alaskan tribal thing and not a Pacific Northwest tribal thing, and that's really the heart of the issue. But yeah, um, but yeah. So anyway, um. Speaking of your timeline, Pat, that means that uh, they have to have their logo and their design and everything done for jerseys by a year from January. <laughs> Which I so I was intrigued by the the team released, I guess, a quasi fan poll. Yeah. In the last two weeks, which... uh, they actually added more questions. Oh, have they? So I oh, need yes. to go back and uh, resubmit answers. Mm -hmm. um, or you just do like I did and write a script that submits the same answers over and over. Yep. Uh, <laughs> they actually came out with uh, some of the results, in fact. Um, and there it is. I had to go through my Twitter feed and find it. So. Um, they have um, what team colors do you prefer? And 34% had green plus something. 31% had green and blue. 20% had not green and blue. And 13% had blue plus something. So the majority is green plus something. <laughs> By a little narrow margin. Um, stadium music was the, they had two, three, three things that they came out with. Um, and of course, everything's loud behind me now and I can't mute it because I'm talking. But stadium music, they had organ only, 27% all, all the ones that they listed here, 38% band, live band, presumably, 12%, and a DJ, 23%. So all kinds of music won yes. that one. Uh, and then what type of team name do you prefer? 31% said mythical. 28% uh, said C, S-E-A. 26% um, said historical. And 14% eats Canucks. <laughs> gooey ducks, gooey ducks. <laughs> Gooey ducks. Gooey have to educate ducks. everybody on how to say that. <laughs> That's fine by me. I just want Let's everyone. Let's just oysters. <laughs> I just want everyone to go look up a gooey duck, and they'll understand why I'm pushing for it because I'm yeah. 12 years old. And yeah, yeah, yeah. There's that too, right? <laughs> Think of all the insults people, other teams, fans would do for that one. <laughs> Plus, it's it's a bit of an homage when the high school I went to. Um, the senior class got to name the incoming freshman class. It was a nickname thing. Uh, and we got, my freshman class was anointed the Gooey Ducks by the Oompa Loompas, who was the mm. senior class that year. 
and there was always a big skit that they do like they do the first annual or the the first uh, assembly of the school at the start of the year mm-hmm. and and the seniors came out and they'd always do a skit it was like a name reveal type thing they'd have like their other two or three choices and the year they did ours it was like a wizard of oz thing Mm-hmm. So she, you know, so she went through and met the 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 Tin Man, you know, the whatever the other names were, and then they finally met the wizard who was the gooey duck. <laughs> See, we my high school, we just we just did uh we just hazed the freshman class. Although my freshman or my my sophomore year, no wait, let me let me stop there. My freshman year, the seniors hated the sophomores so they just rehazed the sophomores and didn't bother doing us oh god <laughs> it involved duct tape uh anyway um so gooey duck if you don't know how to spell it for don't, all the- no, no, no 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 okay no let them go okay. discover it Kathy. let them go discover it <laughs> half the fun is in the search <laughs> i see okay all right, then I won't. I won't. Don't so, Pat, any up. any thoughts on on mascots? What would you like to see in Seattle? As uh, someone who is nowhere near there and has absolutely <laughs> no connection to the town, except through us. Yeah, avoid fish. It's just not gonna work. Um, <laughs> it'll, it'll grow stale after a while, huh? Uh, <laughs> Sneaky, uh, microwave it. Ah. Uh, oh, microwave fish. <laughs> If there's one thing the death penalty should be used for, um, I do not endorse uh, capital punishment whatsoever. <laughs> the microwaving fish at work is. But, yeah. Um, I fully endorse lowercase punishment, not capital, yes. but lowercase. <laughs> yes. um, Italicize for me, but go on. Avoid anything music related. Because I could see that being an angle with Bruckheimer. They're they're going for something uh, grungy. No, not necessarily grungy, but something flamboyant and kind of over the top, like Hollywood. You would expect a Hollywood exec to kind of angle. Um, Todd Lightwicky wouldn't like stand for it, so I think we're safe. Yeah, I think something mythical could be good, but I. I don't see them getting the rights to anything. I think they don't that's... like Kraken, and that upsets me. <laughs> oh God, they're not the only ones. But I, I suspect it may turn into Sasquatch, and I, I think that's way too cliche. I don't think it'll have anything. I don't anywhere near there. I don't think they can get it because I don't think they can. They will get the trademark rights. Because mm-hmm. I and I think that's why you may be hearing they are going down a fish angle because. Who the heck has a copy copyright on a, a sockeye logo or a trademark on that name? And the the AHL team that they're angling for currently is Idaho Boise, and it's the Idaho Steelheads, which are an ECHL team, and therefore, you know, we should do a fish one too. <sighs> Long suffering sigh. Anyway, <laughs> of course they're angling for it. Is that like the Anaheim Ducks and the San Diego Gulls? Hmm. Mm. Or or the Ontario Reign and the L.A. Kings? Or the yeah, San Jose Sharks and the San Jose Barracuda? See. <laughs> <laughs> 
who have appropriated a, a Pacific Northwest staple song as theirs. Their Man, the Canucks really missed the boat on this with Utica Comets. Mm. Yeah, yeah, but it's with, Utica. <laughs> well, that's also like their third or fourth association, AHL association, like the last nine years, I think. They've well, really the, they've really bounced their AHL around. The thing too is the is that the ones that the teams that are still independently owned and not owned by the NHL team, they kind of have a say in what their team is going to be called. Hence the Syracuse Crunch. Go back to the purple. Oh, the blue and white uh, lightning look just doesn't work. Go back to the purple and yellow. <laughs> Oh, I remember going to a game their inaugural season, and man, did it look good. So you mean forum blue and gold, as Kings fans will correct you? No, you mean maize and blue, like, uh, you know, University of Michigan fans will will correct you? Uh, It's yellow, people. It's maize. It's purple. No, it's forum blue. No, it's purple. No, it's Mm -hmm. forum blue. And to that, I would say purple is a fruit, and the conversation would end real fast. <laughs> purple is the name of my cat, my sister's black cat. Oh, I like that. Mm, I thought so too. Yeah, one of her kids named him, and I'm like, purple is the name of your black cat. I like it. Huh. <laughs> I'm I'm now thoroughly perplexed of. Okay, I don't. I'm my brain just wandered off and decided to go down the rabbit hole of how do you come up with the name purple for a black cat, and I just had to stop myself because <laughs> I would probably come up with some weird responses. And they were young kids, so it was one of those things. It's like little kids get that get odd little notions, like, and I'm not gonna go there. So never mind. Um. <laughs> I had a friend who, who who named a cat very interestingly, but that's cat cat names are not our, our uh, topic of conversation. Maybe I'll mention that after the fact. <laughs> so, well, if it makes any difference, our dog is named Mika. She is a silver gray or silverish gray, black and white Australian Shepherd, and we named her after Mika Hockenden, the race car driver who raced for McLaren when McLaren was silver, black, mm. and white. So, plus she was unbelievably fast and could corner like nobody's business because she's a herding dog. So, yeah, yeah. And we have fully jumped the track. This is what not having hockey for like ten days does, <laughs> at least to me. I'm having a tough time going hockey, huh? What? What, you didn't stay up and watch a double overtime AHL game last night? Um, no, I didn't. I actually caught a little bit of it this morning while I was eating breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> and, oh my God, that ending. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Did someone win? Has has, a, has the Calder been awarded yet? No, just uh, first team made it to the final. Yeah, the checkers. Or oh, wait, did... Do the AHL do that silly thing with, you know, subject verb agreement? Is it the final, the Calder Cup final or final? It's the final. Uh, okay. That's yeah. technically correct, but sounds weird. Uh, yeah, the, the checkers won on a <clears throat> controversial ending. 
on a not on a goal that according to Toronto should have according to the Toronto Marlies broadcast has no business ever of counting. Yes. Which they're which they're hundred percent correct. But, but with welcome. eight with eight fifty left in the second overtime, uh Charlotte hits the puck, it goes into the netting behind the uh Casimir Cassisqua. There's a name for you. Yeah, that's a interesting. Um, play is not blown dead. Marley's proceed up the ice on a three-on-two break. Turn the puck over at the blue line. Charlotte goes in and scores a dirty goal to win it. Uh, third, yeah, I would say tw- less than twenty seconds passed after the puck hit the netting. Yeah, and, it was probably about that. And Marley's fans were kind of irate. Kind of. A little bit. And you then know some what? rational they should ones feel are okay like, about that because their their NBA team won a national championship. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I can just hear people yelling at their earphones right now. It wasn't a national champion. She knows. <laughs> She knows. Well, when they're swept in the next round, it sure as heck will be. Yeah. <clears throat> Very much so. Um, anyway. I think we should wrap this one up, kids. I am going to drop the... I, I'll drop the question this week. I've, I've been lax lately. Seattle is coming in at 32. Is there expansion coming? And if so, where? Follow us on Twitter at 3v3 Podcast. This has been the 3v3 Podcast, sponsored by Nobody.